This is Face the Music, an ELO song-by-song podcast. Episode 099, From the End of the World. the world is the eighth track on time second song on side two in a 1981 episode of interview with jim ladd jeff lynn said of course in 100 years time you can send dreams back which is a bit of an advanced technology but we haven't got the moment oh i see it's it's an actual dream letter that he yeah, just he sends, sends it back, back yeah through time yeah but she never got it. Oh, she wasn't listening or wasn't thinking or something. In a 1981 interview on Perth Radio, 6 p.m., Bev Bevan said, The end of the world is probably some black hole in space somewhere. When you're writing about the future, you're surmising so much and just experimenting. You don't know what you're talking about, really. You can only guess at what life is going to be. Who knows? We might not even get that far. Bevan described the end of the song. We thought we'd have an ending like that, which is really sort of old, corny sort of ending. The idea is set in a futuristic club with some old rock and roll band playing. But that's always a band's problem, you know, how to finish a song. When it comes to ending, there's only two or three to choose from on record. But on stage, you have to end each song. But that's always the same old problem, how to end this one. It was parodied in 1984 by the Loons Till Death as Got a Call from the End of the World. Hong Kong calling for Mr. Charlie's. Hi, I'm Eric Winsensen. And I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And much has been said about Time being ELO's new wave album. And, well, I find most of Time to be really kind of a more 80s-style progressive album, but we actually get into a really new wave-sounding song with From the End of the World. We have Richard Tandy or Jeff Lynn. I don't know exactly who's doing the synths, or possibly both of them, doing a very minimal synth sound on there that's very reminiscent of a lot of the bands at the time that were doing the new wave sound, which a lot of times merged into synth pop. And this is a very synth pop sounding song. However, like most of the stuff on time, it doesn't sound as dated as a lot of the other hits that were out, (laughs) a lot of the other songs that were out at the time. You listen to Human League. Mm. And uh, you're going, yep, that's 1981, 82. Yep. You listen to this, and it's, oh, it's an electric light orchestra with some keyboards. <laughs> However, this is probably the least electric light orchestra sounding song I've heard from them. Uh, so far, yeah. To me, I mean, ever since I first heard it when I was 13, this whole album seemed new wavy, futuristic. Obviously, it's going to have lots of synthesizers. That's how you make things futuristic in the early 80s. But I've seen people say, well, this sounds very proggy. And you sound, you say 
that the album sounds very proggy. It's like, eh, I guess I can see that. But this song is, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, straight up stone cold, punky, new wavy, definitely early 80s kind of sound. Yeah, it's layered in a bucket of synthesizers, and one of the synthesizer sounds is kind of theremin-y. Which is something you would find in those punky, new wavy, heavy synth songs back then. Or the synth pop, anyway. And it's got that punchy bass line that just never lets up. I don't know if it was synthesizer. I don't know if it was uh, crocut or both at once. If it's Kelly... Again, I am agog at his bass skills because that thing doesn't slow down or stop. Once it goes, it runs and it just flies. And to keep that up for however long it is, three and a half minutes, four minutes, whatever, I just, you know, the notion that the bass player is just there is nonsense, especially with Kelly Rocut and with people that I see saying, well, Jeff Lynne is ELO. The others were just studio musicians. No, they weren't just disposable musicians. You try playing the bass. You try playing this for three minutes and not losing the momento. Momento? Momento. <laughs> <laughs> the momentum of the song. And just that steady beat. That's, that's some skill that's required there. And yeah, I'm just a gog at... If this is all Kelly, I'm sure there's synth bass mixed in there too. But to keep that up for that long... That's some serious bass skills that I don't think Kelly gets much credit for. He's just, oh, well, he's the bass player. Easily replaced unless, by Jeff Lynne. <laughs> yeah, no. Unless you're actually just setting it on a program and having mm-hmm. the bass play on a program on the synthesizer. It's similar to an organ where you've got certain bass keys. Yeah. That's how the Doors got away without having a bassist is because their keyboard player played the bass part on the organ yeah. while playing the rest of the organ part which that takes a ton of skill as well to be able to get your hands coordinated enough to be able to do that. But what I found is that a lot of times with a music that sounds the simplest, like 70s disco music or new wave music, except for the parts where you just program it in on a sequencer and have it go around and around, Mm -hmm. the parts where you actually had to have a human because of the technological limitations of the time, playing that repetitive part, that is always some of the hardest to do. Because, yeah, you have to keep it up without making a mistake. You have to be able to play an instrument repeatedly without making a mistake. Mm -hmm. Because, sure, you can fake it in the studio by looping the tape. But as soon as you get on stage, you got to be able to do it. Yeah, you do. So you can't you can't fake it when you're when you, you well you can kind of fake it when you're live but somebody mm-hmm. is going to notice at some point because <laughs> yeah. they're going to wait a minute his fingers aren't moving he's yeah. not even touching that stupid bass yeah 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 and bass players don't get enough I know I'm I, I like to make jokes sometimes <laughs> I think everybody likes to make jokes because yeah. a lot of bands make the mistake of taking their worst guitarist <laughs> or taking the guy who can't play guitar when they get a real guitarist in and put and handing him a bass <laughs> which. It's not how it works. You have to actually have to have a good bass player mm-hmm. because it takes a whole lot of skill to both play a rhythm and also a lead because in rock and roll, you need to be able to have the bass occasionally play a lead part as well. And I play bass guitar not very well, but I've had one since October 1984. I play it. I don't play it as much as I should. But when you play bass, it's really kind of repeating the same bass line over and over again. And it's really easy, if you're not paying attention, 
just like playing, all of a sudden you're starting to thinking, wait, I've played the same part a long time. The chorus should have came in, or the next, <laughs> or the bridge, I should have hit that. <laughs> so it's really easy to kind of like, if you got it down, it's really easy to just turn your mind off and go, and not realize, unless I'm like actually playing with the song, or if I actually played with a band, to kind of keep your mind focused on what's going on and where you need to be, then yeah, with the bass, it's really easy to just keep playing doom, 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 doom. Oh wait, I should have hit the chorus. Uh, that's the next thing. So I think bass is easier than guitar, at least for playing lead. Because my fingers, there's six strings. They're tightly bunched together. My fingers always wind up pressing on the wrong part of the string and the other hand playing the wrong string. And it's lead guitar players, I'm just agog. But at least with bass, the strings are spaced out more, everything's spaced out more. There are less chances for flubbing, at least for me anyway. True. And I admire being able to do that just as much as I admire somebody like Chris Squire being able to play that instrument in a lot of ways that you wouldn't expect. But yeah, it's still at the very core of it to be able to keep that rhythm and to keep it consistent. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a really a, a skill that should be respected a little bit more and uh, it is very evident on this and yeah what gets me is that of all the progressive and progressive pop bands electric light orchestra pulls this off Mm -hmm. i've heard other progressive bands try to do electronic and i've heard neil young try to do electronic (laughs) as well he's not progressive but yeah he decided he was going to have his little synthesizer phase in the early 80s as everybody did and uh Often it leads to some stuff that people look back on and go, oh, well, I don't want to throw it like a Frisbee like I did back then, but it's still not that good. <laughs> Time, on the other hand, and I mean, it's definitely 80s and everything, but it sounds, there's a difference between dated and nostalgic. It mm-hmm. sounds nostalgic. And that's why I think a lot of people are looking back on this album now and going, hey, huh, I think we kind of <laughs> missed the boat on this one back then. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as we've discussed in previous songs, the album has heavy nostalgia for me. And another cool thing about the song, I like that backwards then flipped forwards strings intro. That's actually pretty neat. Especially since this is a song about using some device to send dreams back into the past. Doing that backward and forward string part kind of goes along with the theme of the song. I hadn't thought of that. I had just always thought, dude, that's pretty cool. Got something to say from the end of the world? Then call the telephone line voicemail. 623-850-3375 I saw you last night at a concert You were with your families, you It's time for a great line from ELO from this week's song. What's my line? Please, this is a game I wish someone would win. And now for a thought from Troy. I have to admit, I almost forgot about this song. I haven't listened to time in quite some time. And wow, what a discovery. It's a great song quirky song for both the Time album and for ELO. I love the way Jeff's voice changes from high 
to mid-range to low and then back to high again, often within the same line. And the rhythm, my God, I don't know, are they using a drum machine? Is Bev playing drums? If he is, I'll tell you, when you consider the fast pace of this song, if that's Bev playing drums, I gotta give him props. I couldn't do it. I'm trying to think. I said this song was quirky even for ELO. I was trying to think of something in their repertoire that even comes close to this song. And the closest I could think is the breakdown in the middle of Turn to Stone. Do you know when Kelly and Jeff are singing so fast and they can turn to stone? And in both cases, you have a protagonist on the verge of desperation. And I think the protagonist in Turn to Stone is a little bit farther over the edge than the protagonist on this song. But in both cases, they're desperate. They can't understand what's going on. And if they ever did a video for this song, I can just imagine Jeff just running down the street, running aimlessly, trying to get to a certain destination that is always out of his reach. And he even sends a message in a dream to his beloved, hoping that she will get it. And that reminds me of that line when he says, I hope my tears fall as rain upon your window. I do think there's hope for the protagonist in this song. I think the protagonist in Turn to Stone's a little bit beyond hope because the object of his affection is gone and she's not coming back and he knows it, but yet he can't get it out of his head. In this case, I think there is some hope on the horizon, but you gotta wait till hold on tight to find out if I'm right. Talk to you next week. With word that a new time transporter had been discovered, Bruce assembled a small team to get it and send him back to 1981. Once in the complex, Bruce spotted a device that lets him see the past. Bruce's rogue scientist friend Mel reminded him that it takes time for the device to get going. And time is not on their side with this break-in. But Bruce insists on seeing what happened to Julie after he left. Mel reluctantly activates the device for Bruce to watch Julie on October 17, 1988. Without Bruce in her life, Julie had taken to drugs and turning sexual tricks for cash. Bruce screamed, no! and Julie looked up. Not only could Julie from 107 years ago hear him, but so did security. Bruce and his group were on their way to prison satellite two. Like it? Hate it? What does Madeline think? I did like the song. Wow, she liked it! Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash ELO pod. Next week, episode 100, The Lights Go Down. <laughs>